Hello and welcome to episode 91 of the So Video Games podcast, where we talk about any game at all, including new stuff, old stuff, and anything in between. If we're playing it, we'll be talking about it. Today, we are recording on July 27th, 2018. My name is Corey Motley. I am a staff writer at GameCritics.com. With me, as always, is Brad Galloway. He is the editor of Game Critics. How are you, Brad? I am good, and I am also excited. Very, very much looking forward to uh, today's discussions. Exciting stuff. Good, good. I am excited as well. Um, do you have any intro business before I jump into the housekeeping? I don't think we have any intro business. Um, we should probably just get into it because I have a feeling that we are going to be talking a lot today. So I'm, I'm excited just to dive in. All right. Well, let's do it. So today's show format is going to be a little bit different than what uh, you're normally used to. Normally we do Brad and I play any, you know, two to five to ten to, I don't know, 100 games a week. And then we kind of back and forth talk about them. Uh, this week, we are going to be doing a little break from that. We're going to do a mid-year check-in. I believe we did this last year around the same time, right in the middle of summer. We're going to do it again this year. Uh, basically, Brad and I are just going to discuss some games that we've played this year. We're going to talk about some notable things that we like, maybe some that we're just kind of meh on. And if we feel like discussing some stuff we didn't like so far, uh, we're going to kind of talk about what we've played, what we like, what we didn't like, everything in between. So this is just kind of like our, it's kind of like our mid-year game of the year show, if there is such a thing. We're not going to be like doing a top 10 count up or anything like that. We're just going to kind of spitball some games we've been playing. Um, how does it sound, Brad? Did I leave anything out? No, that sounds good. But I actually love doing this episode. Like this episode and our top 10 of the year are probably my two favorite episodes that we do. Uh, and so I was really, really excited to look forward to this one. I love lists because I'm a game player, and game players <laughs> love lists, and I love ranking things. We're not going to rank today, but in my head, I've got things ranked a little bit, and just talking about, you know, rapid fire, going through a lot of content. I love this episode very, very much. Um, quick question, though. So I'm sure you've got some games. I've got some games. Do we want to go, like, back and forth one at a time, or are we going to go, like, all of mine first, all yours first, or how are we doing this? Uh, I don't know. We didn't really discuss this. I feel like we should probably back and forth it because I don't want to like talk for half an hour and then be like, all right, now you talk for half an hour. So maybe we can just pick one or two, talk about it, then the other person, then back and forth like that. Well, that sounds, how about we do one, one a piece and one just piece. back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, and then we go through. I think I may have a couple more than you, uh, but we will, we'll just feel it out and see how it goes. All right. Excellent. And also at the end of the show, uh, we're going to wrap things up by talking about what we're looking forward to for the rest of the year. Um, as you know, if you've been listening to us for any Game of the Year show, at least, you know that our Game of the Year show is usually just us talking about our top tens and doing some random awards here and there. Uh, so we're going to talk about maybe some games that are coming out for the rest of the year that might upend our top ten list or maybe things that we're looking forward to or things that we think uh, might really uh, be great for us for the end of the year. So we'll wrap up with that. Um, but without further ado, uh, do you want to dive in on something you're itching to talk about, Brad? Yeah, let's do that. Let's do that. Okay. So, um, as Corey said, I have a list of stuff that I'm looking at that I feel really good about. You may hear about this stuff when we do our end of the year show, but not confirmed. I mean, it's, this list totally may change between now and then we still have a number of months uh, but so far, these are ones that I think are pretty good. And these are not in any rank list. So, like, the first one I read is not number one, nor is it number ten or whatever. They're just just a list of games. So don't uh, don't take notes at home and then 
email me when I get to December and say, <laughs> well, that's not that's not number seven. So we're just we're just going to talk about these like in general. So, OK, um, the first one. OK, so the first one I'm going to talk about is one that I talked about, I think, at length before. One that I really liked a lot this year so far is one that not many people liked. And in fact, people are making fun of me that I like it. But I think Metal Gear Survive is a fantastic game. I love that game. It is so good. Um, we, we covered it here on the show. I did a full review at Game Critics. And I think it's really unfortunate that people just really had their knives out for this one because I think if you take a step back and really look at what it's offering, which is a survival experience, like it says right in the title, it does that very, very well. Um, I really like the um, concept of taking like the Metal Gear mechanics, like how you handle weapons, how combat works, and so forth, and just kind of like just reinventing the whole thing, giving you a base to build and defend, having to go out and collect uh, resources, going out to collect survivors to build up your base. Now, none of these, I mean, these are not exactly 100% new concepts to the series, but just kind of the way it was all framed was a little bit different. It was kind of set like in this alternate dimension, which was a little bit different. Uh, you did not have uh, any of the various liquid, solid, permeable, translucent snakes as in the lead role. It was, you know, it was just like you made your own character. But I really liked how it played. I thought the campaign was really interesting. I thought the mechanics were really interesting. Uh, I just had a great deal of fun with it, and I think it was a really well-made game. Uh, so I definitely, I feel pretty good about this one. I mean, I know I just said these are not going to be my locked-in top 10, but if this one doesn't make it to my top 10 of the year, I will be very, very surprised. Uh, Metal Gear Survive, I thought, was great. I enjoy that you and I seem to have a running theme on the show of playing and appreciating games that either... A lot of people don't maybe don't know or haven't heard of or that people like in this game in particular, which you've pointed out several times that people, you know, Kojima left Konami. They decided to put this game out without him heading it up. And then everybody was immediately like, oh, this game's going to suck because he's not writing and directing it, producing it and everything. And so everybody kind of I don't know, they kind of like went in expecting it to suck and then for them it did suck maybe because they didn't really like dive deep into it but I like that you and I seem to I don't know I'm not going to say we're unbiased because I don't think there's a such thing as being unbiased but we I don't know are willing to give the games more of a chance and be grown-ups about it rather than just be like oh Kojima left so this obviously is going to have to suck now yeah, I agree. I mean, I think there's a lot of people out here who did not give this game a chance just because of the Kojima thing. And also, I mean, I think it's fair to say that maybe some Metal Gear fans are not necessarily survival game fans, which is fine. But like I said, I mean, survive is in the title, so they tell you up front. And this is not the first time that Metal Gear has, you know, gone outside its lane. I mean, we had the Metal Gear Acid, we had Revengeance, we had Portable Ops. I mean, the VR missions. I mean, Metal Gear as a series has done some weird things. It is not like the same kind of game every single time. Also, this is not even the first time that, you know, none of the snakes have been in the lead. So it's like, if you look at the Metal Gear series as a whole, it doesn't really seem that strange, but for, you know, for, for fanboy reasons and for the stuff that happened at Konami and Kojima's very visible exit. I mean, I think, I think most people had their guns out for this one before it even came. I think nobody really gave it a chance. And the few people I've talked to who I convinced to try this or who tried it on their own ended up thinking it actually was really good. So if you like Metal Gear stuff and you like survival, I, this one is great. I absolutely loved it. Well, good. Um, do you have anything else to say before we move over to me? 
Uh, the only last thing I will say is that uh, last time I checked, you can buy this game for like $9, and that is a fucking amazing price. So if you're on the fence, check it out. But that's enough for Metal Gear Survive. Corey, what's your first pick? Uh, my first pick, this has been kind of a strange year for me, first of all. I want to preface my list by saying... Um, I For the past, like, four or five years, I've been really good about every time I play a new game, whether it's on PC, Xbox, PlayStation 4, what have you, I have this... I, I've talked about this on the show before. I have a list in my phone in my notes app where I will list every single game I play. I keep a column... Or not a column, really. It's just a list. I have a list on the top that is if I finish the game... I will then rank the games from, you know, one to whatever number is the last game I played. And if I don't finish it, I keep that in a separate little list under it because I don't believe in adding um, games to my overall game of the year list if I haven't finished them. I don't think that's fair. Um, and I also think that not finishing a game probably says something about the game itself or about me. Um, I don't know if we can get introspective here, but I don't really want to go too deep on this. Um but I realized about a week ago that this is the first year that I haven't been doing that. And I, I think maybe part of me, part of it is just me being lazy. Part of it is also me not playing as many games as I usually do. And part of it is the fact that um, I am employed, like, at a real job for the first time in, like, two years. So, like, obviously that's taking up some of my time and is, uh, and is um, you know, kind of preoccupying me. So I tried to go through and list all the games that I played on my phone this year and discovered that I have not played very many games or rather because I got a new gaming PC this year and this is the first year that I've kind of like dipped a toe into like really doing PC gaming I've had a habit this year of playing games that came out not this year like I keep finding like old hidden gems on the PC that I never had access to before so I'm playing a lot of old games on PC and I also don't believe in putting a game on my like 2018 list if it didn't come out this year like if it comes out as a remastered edition i might or if it comes to like consoles for the first time i might and this is an example of the first game i'm going to talk about um but i feel like i just haven't been playing a lot that came out this year but nevertheless i have a list i just wanted to put that preface out there first and the first game that i want to talk about is an example of this where it came out on, i think it came out on pc like two years ago it just hit PlayStation 4 like three months ago or so, and it is North, which I talked about at length uh, whenever I played it back when, I don't know, whenever it came out a few months ago. Uh, North is a first-person, I mean, it's pretty much like first-person narrative adventure game, walking sim, if you will. has a few puzzle elements, only takes about two hours to beat. It's not a very long game. Um, this is one of those games that I throw into my uh, quote-unquote indie jank category in which from the moment you start it, you can tell that it's obviously not like a AAA budget. Um, it's not, you know, a game that was worked on for 10 years by a team of 150 people. It seems like I'm pretty sure the guys who made this game, I think it's just two guys that did it. But nevertheless, I really like this game. Uh, it is a game about you escaping a city that you were previously in and at the beginning of the game you start in this city that's in the north um, hence the title and it's kind of a city that refugees go to to escape sort of this like fire that is overtaking a city in the south that is supposed to have really poor working conditions so the, uh, the city in the game um, you kind of navigate it to see if it's like immigrant friendly in a way and it's also got this weird like sci-fi edge where there's like these alien entities kind of there's no combat or anything it's all just running around you're writing letters to your sister 
um, to kind of keep her up to date on what you're doing. And you're trying to get the objective is to like pass all these different tests in order to gain um, sort of like residency or like citizenship within the city in the north. And this is like the perfect example of games that I've really been kind of getting into a lot lately, which are just kind of like off-the-wall narrative adventure games that aren't necessarily... I mean, it's not a first-person shooter. It's not a stealth game. Um, it's just its just a strange game, but I've had an affinity lately for games that are just kind of strange. Like, I prefer, even if a game is kind of janky and maybe a little bit broken and unpolished, if it's memorable, then that's kind of good enough for me right now. Like, I would rather... Like, I think very fondly about this game, and it had, like, a lasting impression on me because of how, like, strange it was. And the music is really great, too. Um, but just kind of, like, how strange and interesting it was rather than, you know, a AAA game where it's just you, like, punching dudes for 20 hours. Like, I would rather have, like, a short, compact, interesting experience that sort of, like, kind of keeps me guessing as to what the hell is going on. And North definitely kind of ticked all those boxes for me. It came out of nowhere. I found it on the PlayStation Store one day. I think it's, like, $3 on the PSN. Not expensive at all. It's also on PC. Um, but I really, I really like it. I think it's great. I'm sure this is going to be on my top 10 list at the end of the year. And the guys that made this game, I think they're Outlands games, if I'm not mistaken, um, I just am really uh, interested to see what they're going to do next. I think they have a really interesting vision. I played through a lot of their other games and talked about them uh, around the time I talked about North on the show. And I am just excited to see what they do next. Well, it's funny you mention that because I was actually just checking their website before the show. And it seems like um, the next game they're going to be working on is either west or south it's to be determined but we will find out. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that's interesting then is it going to be like a sequel to north no perhaps? no no. i'm completely bullshit oh sorry. you're a bastard <laughs> i just I had to make the, i had to take the dad joke sorry that was really bad uh this I, the fact that you picked this game is really one of the best things that i like about our show is because even though we get along and we're friends and we're both games writers etc etc i mean it's pretty clear that our tastes um do not often overlap, which I think is ultimately a really good and interesting and fun and healthy thing, because you talk about stuff that I probably wouldn't look at. I'm sure that I talk about stuff that you wouldn't look at. And this crossover, I think, really adds a lot of uh, seasoning to our show. So North is definitely not on my top 10, but I remember you really liking this one a lot. I will add that it's also on the Switch in case anybody wants to take it on the Switch. I think it probably runs fine there because it's pretty low tech. Uh, but very interesting pick. Very interesting pick. Absolutely. Um, last thoughts or should I forge ahead? Uh, forge on, good sir. Okay, so let's see. Um, one that I okay, so one that I I want to select with a caveat is <laughs> the council, uh, which is a narrative, very telltale-ish sort of a game. I talked about I think the f at least the first episode. I may have talked about the sep second episode. I don't remember, but there's going to be five total. So. Part of the caveats that I want to say is that it's not done yet. It's a five-part series, and I don't know if the fifth part will be out by the time December rolls around. It may, it may be that the fifth part doesn't come out until 2019. So I hesitate to recommend it or even to even pick it um, until the whole thing is out. But what I've seen so far in episode one and two is amazing. Uh, for people who don't recall, this is uh, it's a story I don't even know what time period it is it's in like the revolutionary war times because um you play a character who's in this kind of like illuminati group and you go to this rich guy's house who's also like in this illuminati and you have these famous figures from all around the world like napoleon shows up george washington shows up 
uh, a bunch of other people um, that are like historic, like actual historical figures. And they all kind of get together to kind of plan like the events of the world, just like any paranoid person with a tinfoil hat thinks actually happens. Right. But it's it's cool because you're interacting with these characters and somebody gets killed. And so it becomes a murder mystery. And so you're talking and interviewing these people and just kind of like piecing things together. It's a really cool idea the setting is really cool i mean i I think everything about it is really really neat and also what i like about it is that it goes further than telltale does by adding actual rpg mechanics where your character levels up he has various skills there are like different challenges that you do that you know may be passable if you're built a certain way or maybe not passable if you're built another way uh just like all the stats and all the different gameplay options and all the different little things they add to it make it much richer uh, than what Telltale's been doing lately, where it feels like you're just pushing a button and watching a movie for 15 minutes. So I really <laughs> appreciate that. And I just think it's really great. Um, first episode was really strong. Second episode was very strong narratively. The puzzles suffered a little bit. So that's kind of what's giving me a little bit of pause. Uh, episode three is due to hit any day now, and I'm hoping that they get their stride back and the puzzles are as good as they were in number one. So we'll see. Um, so, but for right now, I do like it a lot. If it stays as good as it's been, this is definitely going to be, um, one of my picks, but liking the council a lot so far. Very, very much. Uh, Corey thoughts or should we move on? Um, I'll just say that this is one of those games whenever you talked about that kind of definitely piqued my interest, but I have yet to buy it or download it or get anything on it um it's kind of on my i guess it's kind of on my backlog list i need to i mean i i don't know if it's possible to have a game in your backlog if you haven't purchased it yet um oh sure oh sure (laughs) i've got multiple backlogs dude that is that is a real backlog you can have well i this is definitely one that i think about every once in a while but i just haven't taken that step to play it but it's definitely um sort of like on the back burner in my mind to get to if you're in the mood for something Telltale-like, I say I say go for it. But, I mean, shit, they're already up to episode three, I think, this week or next week. You might as well wait till the whole thing's out and then just play it all in one go, probably. Yeah, that's maybe what I'm banking on. Because I bet you whenever all five episodes come out, they'll probably run some kind of, like, sale on, like, the whole set oh, yeah. or whatever. So Totally, totally. Yeah, absolutely. So, All right, what's next on your list, sir? Uh, next for me, I'm looking at my list and trying to decide what order I want to talk about them in. Um... I will talk, maybe I'll talk about this because I just uh, wrote about it yesterday. I want to come back around to Prey Moon Crash, which I talked about about a month ago on the show. Um, I drafted my review for it yesterday, so if you're a Game Critics reader, uh, be on the lookout for my review soon-ish, as soon as I get my shit together and actually finish it. Um, But uh, I... I was very surprised whenever Arcane and Bethesda came out and said, hey, we're doing DLC for Prey, because I thought it was going to be some kind of like story adventure that was going to be maybe a standalone thing with a different character, or maybe it was going to continue Morgan use adventures from the first game. But no, instead, they came out and said, hey, we're doing this arcade roguelike uh, sort of DLC add-on. And so, um, like, on one hand... I was like, oh, awesome. I love this game. Prey was my number two uh, of the year last year. I adore Prey. I've talked about it at length. People are probably actively not wanting to play it because they're so tired of hearing me talk about it at this point. Um, But I loved it. So I thought, okay, more of this game. Great. Awesome. Um, I'll I'll take it. But I've never been into roguelikes or roguelites or any rogue um, enter second word here after it. And... This game didn't really change my mind on that. I really liked the idea of exploring new areas and playing as different characters and sort of, like, 
getting into the ins and outs of what the new environments had to offer. But whenever it came down to um, this sort of like insurmountable objectives, and it's a game that gets more difficult the longer you play it because more variables are thrown in that often don't go your way. And the longer you play an individual session, the harder the enemies get. And so it's got that whole sort of like Dark Souls thing where, you know, new game pluses are actually harder than, you know, the original game, which I'm not really into. Like, I'm kind of a firm believer that whenever you're playing a game, the game should get easier the longer you play. Like, you should get more powerful or you should feel more sort of like adept to handle the situations the longer you play. But Prey Moon Crash is the opposite. The longer you play, the more difficult it gets. And I ultimately, I think this is a really well-designed DLC. Like, I think that it's very technically well done. And I think if you're someone who likes roguelikes and you also like Prey, or maybe if you don't play Prey and you are interested in it and or roguelikes, it's probably very well done. It just happens to be in a genre that I'm not super into. So I feel very um, just like meh about it. Like, it's good, but it's not compelling and I would kind of rather just go back and play a new game plus of the original Prey than play Moon Crash. But that said, I still think it's technically a well done piece of DLC. <laughs> it's a weird, it's a weird recommendation. I know. Yeah, I was gonna say that. I'm not even sure that was even a recommendation, dude. <laughs> I mean, it's not really. It's just like, well, you know, I'm sure this has happened to you before. Like, you play a game that is kind of like in a genre that you don't like, but you still have a feeling that the game is technically really well done. It's just not to your like taste or to your genre preferences. Like this is kind of the, the crux that I'm in with this game right now. I hear you, but I think, I think we can, I think we can say we can just pick our preferences and we don't have to like be respectful of games that don't click with us because I mean honestly it's our show we can do whatever we want and if you if, if there's parts of it that you're just not clicking with fuck it I mean you can say yeah it's a good game and then whatever but it was like you were like hemming and hawing so hard in that one I'm like man why is he including this one it sounded like you didn't really sounds like you didn't really like it that much but. I know I think really the the core issue here is that I like Prey so much and I don't want to say anything that's going to actively discourage anyone from playing it because I think it's such a great game and I don't think enough people played it. So I'm just like, oh, maybe if I talk about it a little bit more favorably, someone will actually play it. But I don't really know if that's actually going to happen. Uh, and Frey was what? That was last year, wasn't it? Yeah, it came out in like June of last year, I think. Okay, okay. All right, cool, cool, cool. All right, moving on. I will go with another one of my picks. Um, let's see. I'll just go with a real easy one to talk about. Uh, Shadow of the Colossus Remaster. I know this originally came out quite a while ago, but... I'm, I, I, I don't know about you, but I count anything that was released within the span of this year. So that includes remasters. That includes games that have been on other platforms but are coming to a new platform. Like if I played it on the new platform, I count that as a new release. Mm -hmm. So I guess, I mean, I don't know if people want to like call foul on that, but I think that's, <laughs> that's fine. In my head, that's fine because it was a brand new version of this game. So Shadow of the Colossus. I know you're not the biggest fan, but I think this game is pretty cool. Um, it's definitely not like my favorite game of the year. And I doubt it'll be even in my top three or maybe even top five. But I, I really did like how beautiful it was and how much work went into kind of reimagining the game. I mean, I think this kind of raises the question of how much do you change a game before it is no longer the original artist's vision, which I think applied to the controls and some of the mechanics that I think maybe still don't quite work as well as they should, even in this remastered version. Uh, but that aside, I mean, if nobody has played this, I would definitely recommend it to people 
um, who are not familiar with Fumito Ueda's work or who are just interested to see something that's a little more art house on the PS4. Um, not a perfect game. And I, I'm not saying that I even love every aspect of it, but I really do think that there's a lot to like. And I love the art design. And I think just visually speaking, when you are in those um, Colossus fights and when you are kind of crossing certain aspects of the landscape, I do think it is rather breathtaking at times. And it is really good. They put that photo in it, photo mode in there because I got like a jillion photos off that <laughs> thing. I mean, that were really, really cool. So I think it's a pretty known quantity. You don't have a lot to say. I figure most people listening to this podcast probably already know all they need to know about Shadow of the Colossus. Uh, but I just wanted to throw that out there as one that I really kind of liked this year. And uh, yeah, so I know you're not a fan. Corey, thoughts or your next pick? Um, I respect Shadow of the Colossus for what it is. And I have tried several times to get into it, but I just can't. It's not for me. I think it's too uh, hard to maneuver the character in the game. And if that is a problem, then the game is kind of needs some reevaluation to me. But we talked about that already on the show. So um, I will go ahead and move on to something else in... My list, um, I'm going to go on a bit of a downer this time. I just talked about a game that I really liked, a game that I kind of liked, and now I'm going to talk about a game that I don't like at all. I don't know if you're going to talk about this one, Brad. <laughs> Probably not. But it's fun to mix things up. This doesn't have to be all praise. Um, all right. All right. I'm ready. I'm ready. So I want to talk about The Fall Part 2, Unbound. Okay, good, good, good. I saw that in your list, and I'm like, wait a minute. I What? That, what? I thought I was still thinking this was going to be your your favorites list and i'm like hold on now this was not a favorite okay tell us tell us why we're talking about this now Corey. well i just kind of this makes me sound like an asshole because i this is me just being like oh i just kind of wanted to remind everybody that this game sucks but um what the problem here is that like the first the fall came out and i had no idea what it was you told me what it was or you talked about it on a show and i played it and i loved it and it was one of those weird uh, weird matchups where you and I both played a game and we both really loved it. And that's kind of rare on the show. And then after like, I mean, it's been like, what, like two or three years and then the fall part two comes out. And this is technically supposed to be a trilogy. And the fall part two is just like, from like the amazing premise that the first game set up, which is you are um, a pilot in a robot suit, kind of like an Iron Man-ish suit. You're on a mission, your suit falls um, from space into some, like, foreign planet. The character in the suit, uh, whose name is, like, it's, like, Lieutenant Josephs, I think, um, he, like, is passed out from the, from the impact of the crash. He is non-responsive, so the suit has an AI that takes over, and you technically play as the suit's AI to pilot the suit to get him to safety in order to evaluate his condition and, uh, and preserve his life. And it's like such, it was such an interesting sci-fi concept. It was really well done. Um, you encounter other robots in the area. Some are hostile, some are not. And it just like had so much going for it. And the fall part two comes out and it's this like weird, like it almost feels like a side story to the game itself. Like you still play as the same character in the suit, uh, but all of a sudden you're like taking control of these other robots in these different networks and like half the game you're kind of playing in this Tron-esque sort of internet landscape area and it just seemed like about 80% of the actions that you did in the fall part two like had nothing to do with the first fall 
nothing really like relevant going on it sort of like fleshed out the world but it didn't really do it in any interesting ways and it didn't really forward the character development of the suits ai at all so i mean we talked about on the show like two or three times this game is just really a disappointment for me and i really i still am crossing my fingers that they'll bounce back and in the third episode of the trilogy that it'll get better but man this was a real disappointment for me this year I agree. I was a huge fan of the first fall. I still heartily recommend people play the first installment of the fall. I think the problem with this, I mean, I guess series, if you want to call two games a series, is that (laughs) the first game felt like a complete story to me. Like it felt like a beginning, middle and an end. And it had a really cool kind of ending that I thought was just fine how it was. And I just really didn't see what else there was to do with that story. And episode two proved that to be correct because it feels like they have nothing to do and nowhere to go with it. And I just really didn't like anything that they did in number two. I thought the gameplay was worse. I thought um, the co- the story was worse. I just, uh, I couldn't even finish it because I was just really, really disappointed and bored with it and frustrated with it. So, yeah, um, not good. But definitely play the fall number one. I think the fall number one, as it is, is like a really cool, small-scale, modern sci-fi masterpiece. The fall number two is just like, it's an embarrassment. It is. It is not great but let's not dwell on it let's move on um what what do you want to talk about next okay cool cool cool. um let's see i'm looking at the list i've got a couple more let me throw out two real quick and that way we'll kind of balance out that we'll finish at the same time um one that i really liked a lot this year i don't know if it's going to make it to my top 10 but it was an early contender is celeste maybe you remember me talking about this one it's a 2d really tough platformer kind of like in the vein of like a a super meat boy sort of thing like in that in that ballpark of requiring really fast reflexes and quick thinking and you die like a lot and then if you die you start back at the beginning of that little room that you were on so forth and so on um those games are fine and i enjoy them once in a while because you know i do enjoy a good platformer and i don't mind the difficulty as long as the mechanics are nailed down tight and they are here they are definitely absolutely spot-on mechanics which is great jumping feels good floating feels good like the timing of everything feels right like it feels like they really polish it up but what put it over the top for me was that it actually tells a real story so i mean uh you play a girl who is climbing this mountain and the mountain is called Celeste. It's not the main character. I forget what the main character's name is, but uh, she's got like a lot of like depression and self-confidence problems. And so she's climbing this mountain to prove uh, a point to herself. And along the way, she meets other people and has some weird little um, things c- crop up and that occur. And I just really like the story. Like it was very well told. I think it was very accessible, easy to understand. I think a lot of people probably relate to it. And I think that it was a good fit for the actual gameplay. So this is one instance where the story made sense with what you were doing and what you were doing made sense with the story. I love it when that comes together. And it's surprisingly a lot harder than you would think to get those two things to to uh, appear in concert. So I think Celeste was really, really good. I liked that very much. Um, not for everybody because the platforming is hard. Although I will say there are a number of options where if you want to just see the story, you can turn off a lot of the difficulty and basically breeze right through it. So I do give it big props for that. Also, um, shout out for Monster Hunter World. Um, You know, I've been a real big Monster Hunter guy for a long time, probably more than 10 years. And uh, I liked Monster Hunter World a lot, although I will say not my favorite entry in the series. And I didn't exactly love everything they did with it. I mean, I think bringing it to console, exactly what needed to happen. I love that they did that. Graphics, um, a little bit 
not so hot on the realistic, more Western art style. I really miss um, some of the Japanese designs. I think the Japanese art was amazing. Uh, so visually, it was a little bit less appealing. Um, some of the some of the design choices were not great, but some of them actually were really cool. I really liked the. Um, uh, it's not first aid. Was it like the red alert? No, man, I I can't remember <laughs> what it's even called. The call for help, signal flare, whatever. The thing where you can call people to come in your game for help. What whatever you shout real loud and someone comes running over. Um, I love that system. That system is amazing. When you go into a mission. You feel like you need some buddies with you and you don't have any friends around. You fire off a flare and then people online can come join you in your game. That's dope. That is a fucking great addition. I think that's amazing. Um, some of the stuff has been streamlined, which is really good. And uh, I really like how they reworked the weapons. Um, the bow gun, which is one of my kind of like love-hate relationships in the game. It's always been interesting, but it's always been kind of boring. I feel like it really got more interesting this time around. And I think just overall... Really strong game, really strong game, especially if you have friends, if you really like to spend a lot of time online. Um, I don't know that I am going to pick it as like one of my top five, but I do think it's worthwhile. I think it was the step forward the series needed to take, and I'm glad that they did it. So those are two of my picks, Corey. Any thoughts, or you want to move on? My only thought is that I keep forgetting that that game came out this year. It seems like it came out approximately 600 years ago. Which one? Uh, Monster Hunter? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's kind of the thing is like it kind of it started off real strong. Everybody I knew was into it for like 150 hours and which sounds like a lot and it is a lot. <laughs> but when you compare it to other Monster Hunters, like I usually would put in four or five hundred hours. Oh, my God. And that's pretty average for me. So to only put in like 100 hours, I'm like, whoa, I didn't really play that for very long, even though I realize how insane that sounds. I realize how long 100 hours is for a game, which is ridiculously long. But for a Monster Hunter, it's not really that long. Um, and a lot of people I knew kind of just fell off of it. Like, uh, they just kind of got to the end. And even though Capcom has been supporting it with content, I mean, I got, I, I mean, I don't know for me, I, I fell off of it and I didn't come back and I, I keep thinking I'm going to come back and then I don't. So it just didn't get its hooks into me the same way that previous entries have done. And that's kind of one reason why I'm not really as high on it this year. Uh, but yeah, I don't hear a lot of people talking about it anymore. I see a little bit here and there, but uh, it's, it's really cooled off some, so I don't know what's next for that series. Maybe more DLC or maybe like, a, I don't know, sequel, who knows. But um, anyway, anyway, um, what do you got next, man? Um, I want to talk about, um, I'm going to go back to the indie jank route once again and talk about Welcome to Hanwell. And yeah. yeah, this was a, uh, this is a, pretty much has the exact same pattern story that North had for me. I was just scrolling through the PSN store. I saw it and I thought, huh, that looks interesting. Like it looked like a horror game. It looked like a first person sort of adventure game. Looked pretty up my alley. Uh, the screenshots and like the trailer that I watched looked, it looked a lot like condemned criminal origins to me. And Luckily, I was able to get a code from the developer to talk about it, to play it and talk about it on the show. And I played it on PS4. It came out, I think, last year on PC and then this year on PS4. It's probably on Xbox as well. I haven't looked. I should have. But this is so video games after all where we are not uh, prepared for any talk about anything ever on the show. So, um, but I, I really ended up liking this game a lot. I mean, it's basically just an open world uh, first person horror game where the objective is to explore this kind of small slice of town and figure you have to find these different ID badges 
or it's like pieces of an ID badge to piece together to get into this council that's like this big area of the city because the city's on lockdown because there's monsters out. You have to figure out how to find the badges and then get into the council area to figure out like what the hell's going on, basically. And this, uh, I mean, this game is, I really liked it. I mean, it's kind of uh, janky. Whenever I played it on PS4, it did not have inverted controls, which is a big, a big issue for me. Cause like, if you're gonna port something to a console, the least you could do is put an inverted control uh, option in there. Um, so I would recommend this on PC if people have the option to play it on console or PC. I feel like it probably looks and runs better on PC, but I, you know, don't hold that. Or don't hold me to that if you play it on PC and it sucks. But um, I, I just like this game a lot. It reminded me a lot of a lot of different games I played before that I like. It reminded me of Condemned Criminal Origins. It reminded me of uh, Friday the 13th on the Nintendo NES. It reminded me of Silent Hill, just the idea of exploring this town kind of on your own and not really having a lot of outside contact with anybody and not really having a whole lot of direction other than, you know, just kind of like explore the town, go in these areas. And the, the buildings that you go in to find the ID badges are very dungeon-like, like they're kind of linear. And that allows the game to set up really good um, kind of suspenseful moments, good scary moments without overdoing itself because the game's not 100% like chase sequences, scares in your face all the time. Like it paces things out really well. Um, some of the areas are like physically well designed and impressively designed, especially toward the end of the game, whenever you start getting into the council area. Um, and there's like a hospital section that's really well designed as far as the way everything looks fantastic. And some of like the lighting techniques and stuff are just really impressive. Um, but I, this is kind of an unexpected one that I thought maybe this will be too janky for me to like, maybe it'll be to chase sequency, maybe it'll be too hard to defend yourself or something in the game, but um, it's definitely far from a perfect game, but just like North, it was memorable and interesting enough for me to look back very fondly on it, and I really liked it. Right on, right on. I was actually pretty curious about this one, but it sounds like I probably would need at least one or two patches to kind of put some more options in there or something before I'd be able to really engage with it, but it was interesting it did have my curiosity peaked if memory serves this was the one where i had to like hop on a train and go through a secret tunnel and then let go of a passenger pigeon and carry that message across country to get you that code for this one right was this that one <laughs> uh, like this was the yeah. one like the guy was in the witness <laughs> yeah. protection program right precisely yeah because yeah, this and the, the weird thing about the guy who developed this game like i i'm not sure I think that there's literally only like a handful of developers on this game which is impressive enough given the scale of the slice of city. But the fascinating thing about the guy who developed it, cause I was trying to like dig into some information about him. Um, he's not even really like a game. I mean, he is a game developer, but he's, he does a lot of like movies and stuff. Like he's done like short films and a lot of like video work. And this kind of seems like just some weird, like, Oh, I feel like getting into game development to do a little side project. Like that's very much the, the vibe that I got from this. Like he, he doesn't seem like the kind of person who like, is, you know, blood, sweat, and tears. I want to design games my entire life, and this is what I aspire to be, and this is what I want to do forever. It just kind of seems like he was like, oh, well, I've been making movies for a while, but, like, hey, I want to make a game, and then maybe I'll go back to movies, which is fascinating because you would think that the game would be, like, total ass based on that kind of, like, attitude, but the game actually turned out really well, so I hope that he decides to, or they or whoever's on the game, however many people are involved, decide to 
uh, come back to making games at some point if they aren't already because I trust whatever they would want to do next. And I would like to I would like to know more about this person because I think this kind of shows or I, I have a theory that it kind of shows that when you have a more well-rounded background, it kind of just makes your product better. I mean, if this guy is like a movie guy by trade, but he also like plays games and knows about games. I mean, he's kind of bringing those two things together and not just from a like, oh, I think, you know, I want a game to be like a playable movie, but just like having an understanding of those two different things and how they each work and how they don't work. I think that could really come together or like, you know, like. You know, it, when you have someone who has outside interests, when they read other books or when they have you know, other hobbies, I mean, I think it was uh, Miyamoto uh, who said something like he encourages all of his people to, like, have some hobby that is 100% not, like, game-related, so they have some other perspective on the world. So they, that will, by having that, it'll enhance what they actually do. So I wonder if that is some kind of, like, synergy happening with this guy. I mean, I don't know. Uh, currently, he is, like, you know, in orbit in a small secret space space station <laughs> out of reach of the game's press or something. So uh, he was really hard to reach anyway. But um, anyway, okay. Cool, cool, cool. Um, I have one, two, three, four, five left. Okay, so interestingly, this has been the year of the Switch because I have five games left to mention, and four of those are on the Switch. So the Switch is really fucking kicking ass this year. There's a lot of really good games on the Switch. Uh, just quick shout out to Vampire. Uh, we talked about that one, I think, like for two episodes. I, it started really, really strong. It got kind of weak in the middle. Part of the ending I didn't care for, but then it kind of redeemed itself at the very, very end. It's got issues. It's kind of janky. It's a little bit broken in some ways, but it's one of those B-tier games that I really like because... Like you said, Corey, I'd much rather play something interesting and slightly broken than just something really boring and AAA polished, like the same old crap we always get. So I'm willing to put up with jank. I'm willing to put up with problems. And I think that Vampire was a really good step in that direction where it's obviously not a AAA game. It's got some, some, some problems, got some issues. But overall, very interesting approach to what they were doing. They were trying new ideas. It was a new type of content. Uh, I just, I liked it overall. It's not something that I could recommend without any reservations because I do think it has some problems, but I liked it a lot and I, I enjoyed my time with it. Um, so I look at that one fairly favorably despite recognizing it has a lot of problems. Um, quick shout out to Death Road to Canada, which we also talked about on the show. This is a roguelike, which is kind of like a blend of Oregon Trail and The Walking Dead. You and a friend are in a 2D top-down sort of a world, and you're in Florida, and you decide, oh my god, zombie apocalypse, we should go to Canada, because obviously Canada is safe, right? Because why wouldn't it be? So <laughs> the they game have is universal over... health care there. They have universal health care, <laughs> universal zombie uh, vaccinations already in place for many years. Canada is obviously safe. So you hop in the car, starting in Florida, and you drive to Canada, and along the way you meet other survivors... You kill a jillion zombies. You barter with people. You have a lot of, like, random, you know, oh, you've got a flat tire. What do you do? Oh, you ran out of food. What do you do? Like those little Oregon Trail sort of decisions. Um, very, very cool. There, it was a lot deeper than it looks on the surface. And although it can be quite challenging, I did think it was very well done. And it was extremely satisfying when I finished that game. That was one that you really struggle at. And then when you finally put it off... Feels like it was definitely, definitely worth it. Um, so those are those two. Corey, what do you got next? Or thoughts? Um, I have... What do I have next? Um, I only have a couple games. Okay, so let's talk about Detroit Become Human. This is another game that I'm very, like, average on. Um, I was really looking forward to this game because, as we've talked about before, I will play just about anything David Cage slash the Quantic Dream Studio puts out. I know that 
he doesn't have the best like representation of people in his games to put it lightly as far as like um marginalized groups but he's putting out um you know pretty interesting games i don't know i feel like i'm tripping over my words here to describe his (laughs) games carefully um but i i mean i like his games in general heavy rain i think was great um beyond two souls yeah a lot of it was silly a lot of people had problems with it but overall i thought it was definitely like good enough it was fine to play and then detroit comes along and the interesting thing about detroit is like it's kind of like a classic case of a game starting pretty strong and then just kind of losing steam over the course of the campaign because i like it has three main characters I liked two of them for the most part. And so, like, I mean, I guess a third of the story was just kind of, like, okay for me. But it has Connor, who is the lovable android police interrogator, who is kind of, like, acting as sort of a blade runner in the game. He is an android who goes to police um, sites where androids kill humans. He's trying to investigate them, and he's working with a human partner who doesn't like androids. But Connor probably takes the cake for my favorite new video game character of the year because he's so happy-go-lucky and he's so adorable and he's so earnest and he's just like the best and I I love him I would marry him if given the chance and he his story definitely really drove me in the game although there's some ridiculous stuff that's happening in the game but it just, the game goes on a little bit too long. Some of the situations are a little bit too silly. Like, I feel like they could have just cut off one of the entire character story arcs and the game would have been a lot better for it. And it could have functioned more as, like, an Indigo Prophecy type game. Because that game was fascinating because it basically had two main characters. You had the murderer and then you had the detective. And you were playing both characters concurrently to, like, to get away from the police as one character and then to solve the murders as the other character. So it's, like, it made a really fascinating dynamic. And this game does a little bit of that, but not as interestingly, and it's probably because you have this third character flailing around doing fuck all um, while the other characters are doing interesting stuff. But I kept telling myself as I finished the game, like, oh, I really want to go back and play this again because, as, you know, per David Cage games, they can end about 500,000 different ways. But I haven't had the the urge, I guess, to actually put it back in and start playing it again. I've, I'm renting it from Gamefly. It's been sitting on top of my PlayStation 4 gathering dust for like two months maybe at this point. I have not sent it back because I keep telling myself, yeah, I'm going to start a new campaign and I'm going to play it and I'm going to do a bunch of different choices and I'm going to be a renegade, and I'm going to do all these things. And then at the end of the day, I just never feel the urge to put the game back in and try it again. So I don't know if that says something about me, if it says something about the game, but I enjoyed most of my time spent with it. I think it's a pretty well-done game with some caveats, but I just wish that my urge to return to it and to see the other storylines play out were bigger than it is well it's funny you say that because i also have a copy of detroit from gamefly sitting on my desk also (laughs) gathering dust i've had it probably for about two months and i haven't even played it even once so i guess that that says even more than what yours says about you um 
I, you know, and just going back just for a second to Indigo Prophecy, what a fucking fascinating idea that was. You play the detective and the criminal. That's, that's amazing. That is an amazing idea. Regardless of all the problems that game has or all the problems I have with uh, David Caget, I think that, like, <laughs> dude, what a, what a fucking amazing premise. Like, that is a bonkers, amazing banana premise. Um, I would love to see more games try something as out of the box as that was. Not saying it's a great game, not saying it was perfect, but I mean, just thinking about that idea, mind blowing. Um, as far as Detroit goes, boy, a lot of build up for this and not a lot of staying power. I mean, I, I think people are kind of done with his bullshit maybe because when that game came out, there was about maybe a week of, oh my God, David Cage is an asshole. The, his takes in this game are totally bad. This is awful, bad, bad, bad. And then it just faded. I don't hear anybody <laughs> talking about it. I don't think people even remember it even came out this year. I, I I have not been motivated enough to play it, despite having a copy sitting around here for two months. I look at it like once a day. I'm like, nah, later. You know, I mean, if that if that doesn't tell you how excited or negatively excited people are or just, you know, I mean, I think he's just lost. He's lost his way. And then, of course, there were also these allegations of him being a shitty guy, which also doesn't make people very excited to play his games either. So... Um, I mean, I'll probably get to it before the end of the year, but I'm not, like, super excited, and I keep finding excuses to not play it, so, uh, I don't know, I think maybe Cage's time has passed. Yeah, I don't know, I'll be really fascinated to see what he does next. I wish that David Cage would just get a grip, because he, every time he makes a game, he, because he writes and directs the games himself, and every time he makes a game... He, like, thinks that he's making some, like, big statement about the human condition and about, I don't know, like, homelessness or feminism or racism or about Native Americans or about women or about rape. Yeah, Yeah, like, he, he thinks that he's, like, making these giant, like, sweeping, like, amazing emotional statements, but really he's not. He's just using those topics as a platform to deliver like really silly gameplay segments and i wish that he would just embrace the fact that the ge- that the games are silly i mean it's kind of, there i think i talked about this on the show before but it's kind of like transformers movies like you don't go like i mean yeah like people like to bag on transformers and say that the series is shit and whatever and honestly i've never even seen one of the movies but like I'm sure even if the stories are dumb, even if the characters are dumb, whatever, I'm sure that seeing one of the movies is still a spectacle, like giant robots fighting, kind of like a Pacific Rim kind of thing. But like nobody goes into one of those movies expecting like to walk out of the theater, like with their lives changed about the human condition. And I kind of wish that David Cage would just own up and be like, yeah, I'm making silly games, but they're fun and you can make a million decisions and they can go, the game can end 6,000 different ways. And, like, that would be enough. But he just, like, he thinks he's so smart and so clever and so interesting. And, like, the cleverer he thinks he is, the less clever he comes off. And I just, I, like, I, I don't know. I just wish they would kick him out of Quantic Dream and just get a new writer and then make the same kinds of games but not be so, not have them selves take them so seriously because it's just they're just silly i mean the games are silly that doesn't stop them from being fun it doesn't stop the scenarios from being interesting or for me to really have to stop and think about what choices i want to make in the game but if you're shoving this whole human condition thing down my throat and then it doesn't pay off just just stop like just roll with the silly blockbuster action of the game like don't don't try to make it something it's not 
Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think everybody likes branches in games and having choice and seeing your actions actually have a consequence in the story of the world. I mean, those that those are all good things. Like, I mean, I think every game should strive to do those if it's in that if it's in that genre. But he is just so problematic as a guy. I mean, with the ego and the poor choices he has, and his lack of sim, you know sympathy for certain subjects and his lack of understanding about other subjects. He's just not a great guy to be trying to make, like you said, big sweeping statements about this. It would be great if they just stuck to the choices, and I would be fine playing a Quantic Dream game if David Cage left the studio. I'd be, to- it probably would be better. It, honestly, it would be better probably. So, uh, all right, let me move on. I'm gonna do two, and then you will do one, and then I'll do my last one, and then we'll be done. Yeah. Um, two quick shoutouts again. Uh, for the Switch, uh, two of these, uh, both of these games are tremendous. So one, Darkest Dungeon, not originally from 2018, but the Switch version is in 2018. So I'm going <laughs> to count that as a new... This reissue is making the list for me. And honestly, I think with good reason, because I, with, with all my heart and soul, feel like the Switch is the best place to play this game. Um, because it's very conducive to being portable. I think that having it available in small um, snatches here and there is really the best way to do it. And I think it uh, runs great. I mean, it feels like it's a very comfortable fit. Uh, Text size is maybe a wee bit too small, but it's not that bad. And I think that overall, this game being on the Switch is really what made it finally possible for me um, to not only complete the game, which is tremendously difficult, but I fucking 100% in this game. I did every boss i did every challenge i collected every item and then after i did every single thing i made a million bucks just for the fuck of it so like i (laughs) played this game upside down back and forth up and down all around i love this game so much i think the art style is phenomenal i think the combat mechanics are just like next level everything about it is really great and it's on the switch so it's really playable and uh digestible in bite-sized chunks so i loved it very much um and then, uh, speaking of Switch games, uh, Hollow Knight, which we just got done talking about recently, um, is a fantastic platform. It didn't come out this year either, but it is the first time it is on the Switch, so I'm going to count that as well. And, oh, God, excuse me, I'm sorry. There's some random guy weed-whacking, and he's, like, literally <laughs> one foot outside my front door. Let me go close my door. Sorry, folks, hold on a second. I can't hear shit. Hold on a second. <laughs> course the fucking landscapers show up the one time during the week we're fucking podcasting my apologies um feel free to cut that out Corey, if you want or leave it in it might be a little added spice to the show whatever um so hollow knight uh fantastic platformer souls inspired 2d art style again amazing very complex world very um next level world building environmental storytelling controls super tight the game is huge way bigger than anybody thinks it will be when they first started i mean way bigger than i bargained for certainly i think i put probably 50 hours into it and there was still a little bit more i could have done if i wanted to but uh definitely worth all of the praise it it was as good as people told me it was and i am really really impressed uh at how sophisticated this game was especially coming from a kickstarter with who I assume was staffed by people who had never made a game before, which I find to be a little bit impossible because this game is so good. I They must have some kind of experience. I don't know the background of these developers, but as far as I know, this is their first work, and it is a motherfucking just, like, home run out of the park. Like, I mean, there's problems with it. I think some of the bosses are too hard, 
and it's a very cryptic game, so if you don't like to be lost, you may want to have a wiki handy, but despite those issues, fantastic experience. I loved Hollow Knight uh, much more than I thought I was going to, and just one more reason why the Switch is just really on fire this year, so... Um, all right, Corey, thoughts or your next game? Uh, no thoughts, because you have talked at length for about 15 of our shows about those, so we can move on, I think. Let's move on. What do you got left? <laughs> uh, my last game is, spoiler alert, probably the best game I've played this year, and I'm maybe as surprised as anyone wow. when wow. I think I, about I this. I am surprised. I know. And, like, whenever I was writing down my list of games, I was trying to think about, like, what... I hadn't put them in, like, a ranked list yet, but I, whenever I was thinking about it, I was just like, man, I really think this is the one. Like, this is kind of the game to beat this year. And that would be Florence on iOS, which I talked about maybe about four or five months ago. It's a... It's an iOS game where you play as a young woman. She's probably mid-20s. Um, it's kind of about her life, um, her monotonous work life. You play as her kind of going through her day-to-day -day activities, and then she meets a guy. She falls in love with him. The story progresses and kind of shows their relationship from her being single and being kind of miserable at her job to meeting him, and it's sort of her being in a relationship sort of reinvigorates her life. It goes through the timeline of them moving in together, of them uh, cohabitating, and their relationship really flourishing. And I'm not going to spoil how it ends. I think we've done a spoiler section on this game before, so um, please go back and find that show and listen to it should you want to hear about it and missed it then. Uh, but that game just really stuck with me. I think it told a really wonderful story that uh, me... I mean, I'm not in the same frame of mind as she was in the game, as Florence was. Like, I'm not you know, early to mid-20s and single. I'm also not freshly in a new relationship trying to navigate that. But I was able to... I mean, I'm not far off from that. So I was able to identify with a lot of the stuff that she was going through, a lot of sort of meeting someone for the first time and falling for them and sort of cautiously navigating the relationship and seeing where it would go. And there's... Uh, I mean, there were a couple things in the game that made me cry a lot. Um, so it, the game just had a really big emotional impact on me. And I think it's really incredibly well done it's also a game the perfect kind of game for people who don't play games to play because it's easy to play it's on your phone there's no complicated puzzles there's not like uh, really the whole lot of like dialogue choices or anything there's a couple snippets where you have to choose among a few pieces of dialogue but it's a lot of pretty easygoing stuff it's really focused on the story and i really I just adore this game. Right now, um, it's definitely the one to beat. Um, I'm not sure if anything will beat it, but we're going to talk about some upcoming games shortly that we're looking forward to, so maybe one of them will. But Florence right now is kind of... Uh, it's in my top spot for the year so far. Interesting. We did talk about this one at length before. I played it as well. Um, I liked it, but I recall we had very different readings of like the ending and the themes which i thought led to an interesting discussion and in fact we got some feedback um, not only from my wife but from listeners and it seemed like every single person who played this had a different idea about what the game was trying to say <laughs> which is in itself pretty amazing and pretty interesting um i think mechanically it was very interesting because how you played it i thought was very approachable and very clever there was a lot of very very clever um mechanics which were parallels to real life experience 
Like certain puzzles that you did kind of tried to approximate the feeling of having a discussion or being mad at someone and not being able to solve that anger kind of made its own different kind of puzzle that you needed to kind of work through. Uh, a really, really interesting game. I mean, I think you liked it more than I did. I liked it, though. I mean, I did think it was good. It didn't make my list this year, uh, but I do think it's worth um, worth a look for sure. So that is a good pick. I'm glad you brought that one up. Um, so I have only one game left, and this is also another Switch game. This one, interestingly enough, I did we didn't plan this, but Florence was your game to beat, and my game to beat this year West of Loathing. Mm. I gave this game a perfect 10 at Game Critics, which makes only the fourth time in 19 years I've given a perfect 10. So you know I'm fucking picky about my games, people. <laughs> I have high standards. I do not give out 10s like they're candy. Uh, so approximately handing out one every five years is kind of a big deal for me, uh, but I feel like this one really earned it. It is a 2D, kind of a hand-drawn... RPG, but it's also open world, but it's also a narrative game, but it's also kind of like um, uh, loads of puzzles, loads of jokes. It's funny as hell. It's like probably the funniest game I might have ever played. I mean, the con- the consistent level of humor that lands is outstanding. Um, and of course, humor is subjective. I've, I have talked to some people who didn't think it was funny, and that's fine. Uh, no judgment there. But if you click with this humor... Wow, these guys have so many jokes that are so good for so long. It is like a testament to the quality of the writing. It is just an outstanding piece of work. Um, The mechanics were perfect because it was able to let you progress through the story at your own pace. There was never really any points where you got stuck because if you got stuck, you could either uh, go to someplace else and do something else or there were many different ways to get around pretty much every problem. Uh, They really want you to play this game. They want you to engage with it. They want you to laugh. They want you to just enjoy what they've done. And it's such a tremendous piece of work. It's very deceptive because, as I said previously, I passed on this game probably a dozen times because it looks like garbage when you look at a screenshot. <laughs> um, and, I, you know, I mean, it does. It does. It's like a white screen, line drawings, couple of fucking stick figures. I'm like, I'm whatever. I'm not going to play this fucking garbage game. But I, I totally ate my words. I had a heaping helping of Crow because this game is fucking phenomenal. You just have to get into it. You got to give it five minutes. If you play this game and you don't laugh within the first five minutes, I will be amazed because this game is amazing. So uh, West of Loathing so far is my game to beat. Um, Still plenty of time left in the year. But regardless of what else comes out this year, definitely top three. Easily top three, if not number one. West of Loathing is phenomenal. I love this game so much. Also, perfect fit for the Switch. And there we go. There we go. Do you want to talk about what we're looking forward to for the rest of the year? Yeah, let's talk about this. I um, I do not generally keep a list of what I'm looking forward to. I kind of just roll with whatever pops up in my inbox. But um, you did have a pretty good listing, so I went to check that out, and I selected a couple. Um, let's keep it going. You want to just uh, you want to keep going back and forth like we've been doing? Yeah, let's do that. All right, I just got done talking. Why don't you give us one that you're looking forward to, Corey, for uh, the rest of 2018? All right, so the, uh, these are in no particular order, by the way. I think I kind of listed them as they were coming out through the year. But uh, the first one that I have on my list is Shadow of the Tomb Raider, which I've okay, I've kind of like 180 on this game because the Tomb Raider reboot and Rise of the Tomb Raider I thought were okay. I didn't think they were amazing. I didn't think they were terrible. I thought they were just fine. I don't... I think they got a lot of praise that maybe they didn't deserve. Um, 
But the fascinating thing about Shadow of the Tomb Raider is that Idis Montreal, famed developer of Deus Ex Human Revolution, Deus Ex Mankind Divided, among some other stuff, and I don't know if it's like the Deus Ex team that's working on this. I can't imagine it's everybody that worked on Deus Ex, but they are developing Shadow of the Tomb Raider, which is really fascinating to me. They worked on, people from their office worked, I think, on multiplayer components from the last two games, but this time they're actually working on the campaign. So I have this weird sort of intersection of a franchise that I don't really care about very much because I'm kind of over Tomb Raider with a development team that I respect that I think are really talented in what they do and whose games that I love. So I'm really going into this more for the developer to see how they can handle this game rather than a Tomb Raider fan. And if it ends up being okay, it's just okay, because I'm not expecting Idis Montreal to take this game and turn it into something that I will absolutely love, because obviously it's not going to be, you know, Deus Ex reskinned as Tomb Raider. I'm not expecting that at all. It very much looks like it's going to be like the other Tomb Raiders. But just the fact that they're handing it off to the Crystal Dynamics isn't really working on it as much anymore, and they're kind of handing it off to Idis Montreal is something that I'm fascinated by, and I'm hoping to be pleasantly surprised with it, but we'll just have to see when we get there. Interesting. Um, I gotta say, although I have historically generally been a Tomb Raider fan, uh, I kind of have fallen away from it. I liked the earlier reboot stuff that was on, oh, I don't know, whatever, you know, like the... I don't even know. There's so many Tomb Raider games. It's hard to remember which one it was. It was, I think it was when Crystal Dynamics took it over for the first time, and they did a couple of good games that were in a row there. Those were pretty fun. Um, I did not care for the newest reboot, which who who made that one? The one that was like super bloody, and she was on the island. I think that who was Crystal that Dynamics. Was that also too. Crystal Dynamics again? Yeah. Yeah, I didn't care for that one. Really bloody. Way too much of a Uncharted shooty shooter. Um, and I I actually. I was going to come back to it because people were trying to talk me into it and I wanted to give it another shot. So I may give it another shot. I, I have a copy of it here, but uh, don't didn't care about the second one, completely ignored that. And I got to say, I'm not really looking forward to that one at all. So I'm going to let that one pass by unless you tell me it's amazing. If you tell me it's amazing, then I will come back to it. But I feel like Tomb Raider's kind of lost its way recently. So we'll see. Um, one thing that I am looking forward to... Oh, okay. Another, in, in the case of... Another series which has lost its way but might get it back, Valkyria Chronicles 4. Did you ever play the first Valkyria Chronicles? I did not. So it was a strategy JRPG, but it was kind of a weird blend because you went turn by turn, but there was also this strange um, mechanic where you actually moved your guy around the field in real time, and then depending on how far you moved him, that, that influenced how much action points they had, and then... It was kind of like a faux World War II, not in Earth, but like kind of this weird fantasy land. Uh, anyway, it was a really good, really good strategy game. Really enjoyed it. The story was great. Characters were great. Um, and I think that overall it was really uh, an interesting thing. And then Valkyria Chronicles 2 came out and it was hot garbage. And then they came out, well, like, they came out like a string of sequels, which were awful. They were awful, like really bad, like really, really bad. Didn't like any of them. And Sega must be aware of this because they are putting out news of Valkyria Chronicles 4 saying, this is what you liked about the first one. This is a return to form. We, we hear you. 
we're bringing it back. Um, and I, I hope that they're correct because I thought the first Valkyria Chronicles was great. Really loved a lot. I wouldn't mind playing another one of those, but Jesus Christ, they have, they have shit the bed so many times. <laughs> I, I really have doubts. I don't know if they're, they're going to be able to pull it out, but I'm um, looking forward to that one very much. Hopefully it's good, um, but I will have no compunctions about pulling the ripcord in two seconds if it turns out to be another misfire. So fingers crossed, though. Fingers crossed. Corey, what's next on your upcoming list? Uh, next for me, and honestly, I forgot this game was coming out this year, and shame on me because I'm like one of the, I feel like I'm one of this game's biggest fans ever. Uh, Hitman 2, the second installment of the sort of rebooted Hitman universe that IO is working on now that they're partnered with uh, Warner Brothers rather than Square Enix. Square Enix cut them loose last year, and they. Uh, uh, the good news about IO is that they never appeared to be like scrambling. They seemed like they really had their shit locked down and under control. So I'm really proud of them for not turning that into a big fucking mess whenever Square Enix uh, cut them loose. But they're now partnered with Warner Brothers for publishing. Hitman 2 was revealed just before E3 and it's coming out in November. I totally thought this was coming out like first quarter next year, but it's actually out in November, which is pleasantly, it seems really soon. But it's also pleasantly surprising because I loved, loved, absolutely adored Hitman uh, that came out in 2016. It was episodic then. Apparently, Hitman 2 is not going to be episodic. They're releasing all the missions at once on one disc when it comes out. I'm sure they're going to be adding a bunch of stuff to it after because that's sort of what IO has been doing recently. They put out one mission at a time or they keep adding different sort of like little missions within one territory and they have the elusive targets and they have all this stuff. So I'm sure... They're going to be supporting the hell out of this game after it's out. But I'm very, very excited. Like, I feel like out of my list of games that are coming up, Hitman 2 is really the only one that could really maybe take my game of the year. Um, that's kind of like the heavy hitter I'm watching out for. But very excited. It'll be out. Gosh, it'll be out really soon. Um, I know it's only the end of July, but it's going to be the middle of November, like next week. And I'm going to be playing Hitman 2. And I'm really excited. Well, this is one of the rare cases where we both picked the same game. I was also very much looking forward to Hitman 2. Uh, You're not allowed to play it, it until you play the first one, you jerk. Interesting that you say that, because <laughs> I don't know if you saw it or not. I tweeted about it a while ago, but I, I had gotten all my reviews wrapped up. I had gotten caught up on my editorial backlog. I actually had like two or three days where I literally didn't have anything to do at nighttime, which was amazing, because usually I'm drowning in paperwork, all sorts of shit going on. But I'm like, oh, my God, I got time to play. And I'm like, actually, I am I am full on in the mood to go fucking kill some dudes let's play some hitman so i got out my uh game of the year disc or it's like the i forget what it's called like the the ultimate perfect collection or whatever whatever the fucking <laughs> the last one they released was super super shiny bald head edition and i put it in and the fucking disc didn't work i was oh, so fucking no. pissed i got it from gamefly in one of their sales and maybe you've noticed this or not but if you look at the bottom of gamefly discs like, a lot of them have a very specific chip taken out of the edge of the disc. Have you ever noticed that? No. Check your discs the next time you get a Gamefly disc. It's not on all of them, but very often I will get a Gamefly disc, and it'll have a very, very, very specific little chip, like a half-circle shape, right on the edge. And it looks like it's in that little clear margin on the underside of a DVD, so it looks like it doesn't affect anything. But sometimes that chip fucks things up. And it's often, like, I must be, like, have their machines process the discs or something. Because it's not just a one-off. Like, I've gotten dozens of those discs with that exact same chip in it. So I think it's probably their machinery. 
So this one had a chip and sometimes when they have a chip, it works and sometimes it doesn't. And this case, it did not fucking work. And I was like, oh my God, I've got like three days in a row where I could just like jam on this game. And I've, I actually have the game and I even like downloaded the fucking updates ahead of time. So I'd be ready to play and the oh, fucking disc didn't work. Man. I was like, son of a bitch. So I sent it back to Gamefly. The replacement should be here today, but you know, I got a busy ass weekend now and I'm kind of not even in the mood to play it anymore because I was so pumped up to play it a couple days ago and it wasn't ah, bitter 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 so anyway i am very much looking forward to hitman 2 and my plan was to play hitman 1 before hitman 2 came out but i mean we'll see if that happens now so anyway you, ha you have to you you have to play the first one before you play the second <laughs> one those are the rules it is the rules all right and i am a rule follower so i will i will do my best but god damn it that was extremely frustrating i mean i can't remember the last time i put in a disc and the disc didn't work i mean that's been like it's been ages, so that was very disappointing. A um, couple of ones real quickly. I will say I'm looking forward to Dead Cells. We talked about Dead Cells in the last episode, and I actually played it on PS4. Uh, so I know that it's very, very good, but I'm looking forward to it for Switch. And I'm just I only played a little bit. Really looking forward to digging into that. Along the same lines, Death's Gambit also coming out. I believe it's going to be on Switch, also PS4. Similar, kind of a 2D, I believe it's kind of a Castlevania-ish sort of a thing. Uh, Pixel-based, kind of rogue-like-ish, kind of Dark Souls-ish or whatever. We're getting kind of a rash of these lately. But every, actually, every game on Switch is a pixel-based, side-scrolling, Castlevania-esque, rogue-like, Dark Souls game. Every single one is that, I think. And the great thing is, like, they're all pretty good, and I kind of like them all. So I'm, like, in hog heaven right now. I'm like, these are all really good. I'm buying all these. These are really – this is amazing. So Death's Gambit, I did play it at PAX West last year. I really liked it a lot. It was very, very cool. Um, and I just – I'm looking forward to digging into it. I know very little about it other than what it looks like and what the general themes are. So I'm looking forward to exploring that one. So those are two for me. What else do you got on your list, Corey? Um, this one just came out a few weeks ago, and – it's one of those games that I told myself I was going to buy on day one, and then I promptly did not buy it on day one. I'm probably just going to wait for a sale because I'm a cheap, lazy ass. But it's actually, um, I'm not expecting this to turn up on like any game of the year list for me, but it's Red Faction Guerrilla. The remastered edition came out um, a few weeks ago, and Red Faction Guerrilla is the fucking shit. I love that game. It's so good. Uh, the open world is great. The story is kind of dumb, but it's whatever. Um, the environment physics of you, like, using your freaking Thor hammer to, like, break buildings and make them come crashing down and, like, blowing up buildings with C4 and grenade launchers and shit. It is so good, and I am so glad that they released a, uh, a remastered edition of it. I am very excited to play it, but not excited enough to buy it <laughs> coincidentally <laughs> <laughs> everything a... you just said and i didn't buy it <laughs> <laughs> yes i mean the pro a part of the problem here is because i already own it on xbox 360 and the game is 30 bucks and like i'm not i don't feel like paying 30 dollars for a game that i already own just for it to look a little bit better and play it on the ps4 but if it goes on like you know on sale for like 20 dollars or 15 or something i might buy it maybe i'll game fly it i don't know but um this is like the perfect opportunity if you're somebody who has never played Red Faction Guerrilla, um, like, you're missing out. This game is so good. It's so much fun. It Like, breaking buildings with your freaking hammer, it's just so much fun. And I'm very, very, very much looking forward to playing it again. I don't have much to say on it, but it's just a great game. It's, like, the perfect time for it to be re-released, and I am really looking forward to getting back into it again. 
I remember playing that back on 360 when it was new, and I remember liking it back then, but I stopped playing. I think I hit a pretty big difficulty spike um, probably like halfway through or three quarters through, and I just stopped playing it. I do remember getting stuck and getting kind of pissed off, but like otherwise I really liked it. I, th I think I would be inclined to give it a second, uh, second chance uh, now that I am more uh, experienced and worldly wise about the ways of games. So <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Um, another one I'm really looking forward to, one that I don't know very much about, uh, but I am excited about is Call of Cthulhu, the official video game, because there's a jillion Cthulhu-themed games out there, but apparently this one ties into, you know, the board games, I guess, that are being made. And it's also being made by the same people who did the Sherlock Holmes games. Have you ever played any of the recent Sherlock Holmes games from Frogwares? I have not. Those games are fucking great, dude. If you like Sherlock Holmes or if you're up for that kind of detective thing, those games are way better than they've got a right to be. Those They're all <laughs> really, really, really good. So knowing how good those games are and applying that to Call of Cthulhu is fucking bananas to me. I'm like, wow, I am super excited for this. I haven't looked into it. I haven't been doing research. I kind of want to go into it a little bit cold. But just knowing that, like, Frogwares and those guys are behind it, like, I'm I'm all sold. Like, take my 60 bucks. I, you have my faith that this is going to be something that's going to be special. So definitely up for that. And along the same lines, really looking forward to Phantom Doctrine, which uh, I played at PAX last year. It looks really cool. It is a, basically, it's like XCOM, but instead of aliens and stuff, it's about uh, Cold War stuff. So you play as spies. And you have, like, spy technology. And there's a lot of back and forth with, um, you know, double crosses and who's a double agent and who's going to steal the information first and so forth and so on. It looks really, really cool. But one of the really interesting things is that the developers say they have created a special AI system where the AI is playing with the same resources that you are. And they also claim that the AI does not know what you are doing. So, like, the, you know... Like, the AI is not able to look inside your base and know what you're planning, or it's not able to read, like, your status report to know what your next move is going to be. Apparently, they're saying, like, a big hook of this is that you guys are playing on equal footing. So, I mean, if you make a move out in the open or something, then the AI will know that, of course, like another player would. But if you don't do that and you have all your plans just, like, in your head, there's no way for the AI to know what you're going to do. So it kind of gives it more of a back and forth, like, you know... Um, spy versus spy sort of vibe or something. So I don't know how well that's going to play out in practice, but even if that doesn't quite work as promised, because that sounds pretty, um, pretty out there. Uh, I think just the look of it, like XCOM in cold war setting was really, really cool. I liked it a lot. It looked very polished last year. I'm sure it's only looking better now. So definitely looking forward to phantom doctrine. Um, I've only got one more Corey, and I think that you and I have the same one. So why don't you read off like, two and finish off with the one that I'm sending you a mental signal to finish off on because I think okay. you know which one I pick I and then we'll wrap it up. Yeah. I think you know. I think you know. Alright, I'll, I'll blow through two real quick then. Okay, the first one is We Happy Few, which has been in fucking early access for approximately a million years. Like, I think this was in early access like when the Sega Genesis came out and it's still in like the Xbox preview program. Um, it, I played it a long time ago in the preview program. It's like a first-person... The game bills itself as a roguelike, but I when, back when I played it, I didn't know what that was. So it, it's kind of like... It feels like Fallout, but in like a weird British 60s like hippie area where people take this drug to make themselves happy. Um, 
it's kind of difficult to explain. Apparently the game has gone under some major overhauls, has gone under overhauls. I don't know if that's the right thing to say. Um, has been overhauled in different ways, but I kind of stopped paying attention to it since I stopped, since I played the preview version of it. But apparently it's actually going to be coming out for real later this year. So that one is kind of on the back burner. I'm interested to see what it's like when it actually comes out. And the next one, which is what I think you were sending me mental signals about, um, or my, I should say that maybe my Spidey sense was oh, tingling. Oh, shit. You went there. <laughs> you got it. You did it. Is obviously Marvel's Spider-Man. This game's been hyped up a lot at E3. Uh, it was all, I mean, I think it's been at a couple of conferences now. Um, I have a feeling that my, my ultimate feeling about this game is that I think it's going to be great. I think it's going to be really fun. I think it's going to be a well-done Spider-Man game, and I'm not invested in Spider-Man games like other people. I know there's a lot of people out there who have played all of them, and most of them are shitty, and they're like, oh, I really just want that one good one to come back. I'm not invested like that. But my reservation about this game is that I have a feeling, and maybe this is a good thing. I'm not necessarily saying this is a bad thing, but I think it's going to be one of those games that's really fun. It's going to be five hours long. You play it. That's it. It's over and done with, and you forget about it as soon as you finish playing it. That's kind of what I think it's going to be. I don't think it's going to change the human condition. I don't think it's going to be 600 hours long. I think it's going to be short and sweet. And then as soon as I take it out of my console, I'm going to kind of have forgotten I played it, which, you know, I mean, maybe that's a good thing. Maybe that's a bad thing, but that's just sort of the vibe that I feel like is going to be happening from this game. I agree, and I also agree that I think that would ultimately be a good thing. I don't think every game <laughs> needs to be 100 hours. I don't think every game needs to make you question what it is to be a human being. <laughs> I don't need to fall in love again by playing Spider-Man. I just want a really cool roller coaster ride. You know, the equivalent of, like, a popcorn movie where you go in, you have a good time, you leave, and you're done. Like, you don't need to, you know, you don't need to, like, keep the thing going on. I don't need a bunch of DLC. I don't need super deep mechanics as long as it's really well done really uh, fun to play very cinematic and i think most of the trailers shown so far have it looking very cinematic uh it's okay to have one of these once in a while i mean as long as it's just really a good ride and that's all i need from this i don't need it to reinvent web slinging mechanics or anything just have it be a fun weekender five six hours no longer than that i mean like eight at the most but i think even eight would be pushing it um, yeah, just get in, get out, give me a good time, and I will call that a win for sure. 100% on the same page. All right, are we down to my last game and that's it? We are down to the last game, and then we're going to bring it on home. All right, so my last game is, this is kind of a left field because I forgot it was coming out this year. It actually just got um, established that it, that it got a release date, I think earlier this week. Like, this is pretty new news. It's called The Occupation. Um, I bet, like, maybe one half of one person listening to the show has heard of this game, but I did talk about it a long time ago on the show back when it was in early development and they didn't have like a publisher or a release date locked down. This is by the people that made ether one, which I just talked about on the last show. Ether one is a walking sim that I really love very mist like, uh, in nature that I really got on board with and loved. It was free on PS plus a long time ago. Um, so maybe if you downloaded it like a year and a half ago, you'll still have it go back and play it. It's great. Um, the Occupations by the same developers, it is a time-based mystery story. So from the way I understand it, it's first person. The game presents sort of this mystery happening in sort of like an office environment. And you have a certain amount of time to finish it. And I think once the clock is up, sort of like whatever event that's going to tie up the game happens. So it's possible to play through it and not really solve it. Or maybe there's like a bunch of different things that can happen. But it looks really smart. The animations look really great. 
there's a segment in it where there's like a character that's deaf that does sign language. And so you have to know sign language, I guess, in order to like actually solve that puzzle, or you have to go about finding a different way to solve what kind of thing or what kind of get the information that you're trying to get, which I think is really fascinating. Um, but I'm just really, really looking forward to this game. I'm glad it got a release date. I think it's coming out in October, I want to say. Uh, but I think I think it's really going to be like an underdog to watch, and I'm very excited about it. What system is this coming out on, do you know? Everything. It's coming on Everything. PS4, Xbox One, PC. I don't think Switch. Um, I think it's just coming to the other ones and PC. That's fine. Switch is only for 2D uh, Souls-like <laughs> Castlevania games. That's all that's good for. Uh, okay, cool. That does sound very interesting. I had not had that one on my radar, but now that you've talked about it, I will go and check it out. So, Sounds like we've got a lot of good games under our belt so far, uh, and we've got a lot left to look forward to. This is going to be a very busy year. Yes, and a good year. Although it's been a weird year for me playing a bunch of old games on PC, there have still been some gems that have come out this year that I've enjoyed. Well, you know, we can always add a category about uh, best game not from 2018. I mean, that's definitely something we can do. Because it seems like you're dipping into some of those old classics. It would be worth talking about them. Yeah, we can definitely uh, do that uh, come game of the year discussion time in like January or whenever we decide to do it. Right on, right on. All right, dude, let's bring it on home. All right. That will bring us to the end of episode 91. Uh, please remember, you can send us any comments, thoughts, feedback, ideas, show ideas, uh, questions, video games you want to hear us discuss, anything like that. You can get a hold of us at sovideogamespodcast at gmail.com. You can also post comments for us at Game Critics' website whenever the shows go live on the Game Critics' pages. You can also comment on our SoundCloud page as well. The shows go to SoundCloud first and then push to other platforms. I keep an eye on SoundCloud, so um, any comments you leave there will address on the show. Uh, you can also catch us on Twitter. We are at SoVideoGames on Twitter. That's a, a great place, probably the best place to reach us. You can also get us individually on Twitter because Brad and I both have our own Twitter handles, which also double as our Instagram handles. Uh, Brad, would you like to give yours out first? You bet. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram, B-R-A-D-G-A-L-L-A-W-A-Y. All A's, no O's. And you can find me also at my first and last name. It is Corey Motley, C-O-R-E-Y-M-O-T-L-E-Y. Anything else, Brad, before we sign off? Uh, nothing left to say except for, I don't think we mentioned it at the beginning of the show, but we are about to record an entirely other separate <laughs> podcast. <laughs> That's true. This is... The first time we've done this literally since we launched the show, right? Where we record more than one show in a day. I think this is the first time we're doing back-to-back podcasts, yes. You will hear more about it in episode 92, but uh, you may be going somewhere, and this may be the end of this show. But, dear listeners, we are not going anywhere, <laughs> and we are recording one more. We're going to keep on trucking. It's true. It's true. But uh, joke's on you guys, because you still have to wait another week to listen to it. So, sorry about that. But... Uh, we'll be back uh, next week, although we'll be Brad and I will be back in like one minute to record the show. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, until then, until episode 92, uh, we will see you guys next time. This is bye from Corey. And bye from Brad. We'll see you. I mean, I'll see you like in a minute, but you'll see us <laughs> in a week. Bye-bye. Bye, guys.